Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, we look at the films Saving General Yang, Conspirators, and Oblivion. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Wednesday, April 17th, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me once again for a live streaming show, as always, from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, Paul. Uh, hi, everyone. We're, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Uh, kind of got the technical glitches, I think, worked out. Uh, figured out what the problem was. And uh, seems that the stream and the cam selection is all working well. So hopefully that will continue. Um, we are also very pleased to have with us to help us talk about uh, some of the news this week and some of our films, Mr. Ross Chen, a.k.a. Kozo, from lovehkfilm.com. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm fine. All right. So um, I guess uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Hong Kong Film Awards this week, which happened uh, over the past weekend. Was it on Saturday night, Kevin? Was that when they happened live? Yes, the, the show was uh, live here in Hong Kong on Saturday night, and it was uh, shown on two uh, two television stations, uh, TVB and Now TV, and also streamed live on the radio station. Yeah. Um, so we were going to kind of, go down some of the winners of the awards and uh, you know posit some of our thoughts on that. And then we're going to be talking about some films this week, too. What are films we're going to be looking at, Kevin? Uh, for East Screen, we will be talking about Ronnie Yu's Saving General Yang, uh, also uh, Oxide Pang's uh, The Conspirators, which uh, ends the detective trilogy. And for West Screen, we'll be talking about Tom Cruise in Oblivion. All right, so we have two East Screen films to talk about this week. Up first, Saving General Yang. Um, this is a star-studded film that uh, tells the story of the Yang family, a somewhat you know, famous bit of narrative um, from, from Chinese history, uh, based partially on history, partially on uh, some of the, the, the myth that's surrounded this family as uh, lots of different mediums have taken up their stories over the years. Um, and it tells the story of General Yang, the patriarch of the Yang family, um, who ends up being sent off to war um, to fight against the, the Kitans, also known as the, um, the, I think it was the Lao, Lao, Liao dynasty, um, who were part of a nomadic, uh, they, were, they were part of the, the, I guess, part of the Mongols at one time, uh, these nomadic tribesmen who came in and invaded China. Um, and so... Um, General, General Yang ends up offending uh, the Pan family, sort of rivals uh, of, of, uh, of theirs um, in the Chinese Empire, over the hand of the Princess Chai. Um, and basically, uh, the Princess Chai and uh, one of the younger sons of General Yang want to get married. Uh, he forbids them, and because they're the, the father, the patriarch of the Pan family, wants to, his son to marry Princess Chai. And then there's a famous uh, sort of a kung fu uh, stage fight that happens, a competition, and uh, the son of uh, the Pan Patriarch ends up getting killed during that by one of the uh, brothers. And so this sets off some bad blood between the Yang, the Yang family and the Pan family. Um, and because uh, the Pan Patriarch has the ear of the emperor... Uh, when the Kitans do attack, uh, they the, the emperor sends uh, Pan as the general in charge um, to take up the defense. This leaves General Yang sort of under his command, 
and during this during during uh, one of the attacks, Pan retreats and leaves General Yang and his forces at the mercy of the larger Kitan forces. He's forced to then retreat to, um, I think it's a Wolf Mountain or or Double Wolf Mountain, and uh, then once his seven sons. Um, hear of his plight, uh, they all decide to ride off to his rescue. Of course, they know they're doing so at their peril because they are outnumbered uh, by the massive Catan army. Um, so we get uh, a number of famous actors in these roles. Most notable for Hong Kong folks are Ikan as the Ikan Chang as the eldest brother, and Raymond Lam as the fifth brother. Now each brother kind of has their own specialty. So in some ways, it's kind of like a uh, Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven kind of setup, and in that they each have a specialty in terms of a weapon they use, or, for example, Raymond Lamb is not just a warrior, but he's also sort of the family doctor. He's good with herbs and, and things. Um, Ikin uses a spear. One of the other sons is very good with horses. Um, an, another one of the sons uses double swords. So they each kind of have their own personality and their own um, quirks, uh, if you will, going forward. Um, this is, for all intents and purposes, a prequel of the 14 Amazons, the Shaw Brothers film, or the re recent remake, Legendary Amazons, that uh, was not very good. Um, but this does serve as a, a, a sort of a generational prequel in that um, this is the, uh, the... The general here is the grandfather or great-grandfather of some of the characters in those films. Um, now, that being said, this is sort of a joint production, but it was much better than I expected, um, despite the fact that there's a crazy poster campaign, which features all of the different brothers in these kind of ripped t-shirts. They, they look more like, uh, it looks more like a concert or, you know, MTV music video poster than an actual period piece movie, and I was kind of thrown by that, um, going into this film. I wasn't sure what to expect. The trailer didn't really, you know, give me a, a, a decent look into the film. And so I was kind of thinking this was just going to be uh, kind of a pretentious idol film. But actually, I was wrong. It, it's it, idol, you know, The idolism is not really a big issue here. And if anything, the most of the brothers are kind of downplayed characters. Um, nobody, I thought, you know, for example, Raymond Lamb was going to sort of stand out and he was going to be you know, posing or what we call in Hong Kong chalking for the, you know, the, a lot of the screen moments that he was on screen. Um, Ikin is, is kind of reserved as, as the elder brother, and I thought he did a, a really good job as well. Um, each brother gets some time, but maybe not enough. I don't think there's enough time with each of them to really get a deeper connection to any of them. But still, it's got a pretty compelling story. I mean, if, if you've encountered these stories before in, in other forms... Um, I think, you know, what we're presented here works pretty well. Um, my main problem with the film was with the main villain, um, who kind of looks like a cross between Elvis and Liberace um, in the way, that, the way that he's costumed. He just looks too pretty and too clean. He's supposed to be, you know, the leader of these, these um, warlike nomads, and he doesn't have a spot on him, and he's very clean-shaven, you know? Um, Make him sound like he looks like Sammy Sum in Lang Kui Fong. Yeah, kind of. You know, oh. he he would have fit right in in in, in a Lang Kui Fong movie. Um, <laughs> and and so that kind of bothered me. Not the actor himself. I think that he was fine, and 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 the way he portrayed himself and his vengeance, I think, worked well. It's just the kind of the costuming and the art direction for that character. I didn't think really fit very well for the characterization. Um, but. The other minor problem I had, I think Wu Chun, who kind of carries the film um, in the later parts, may not have been the best choice. Um, but, I mean, at the end, he was okay. Um, I, I I think, Ross, you were telling me that Ikan was actually up to play the villain originally. And yes, I think that Ikan would have done a great job as the villain, but I still liked him as the, as the older brother. Um, one of the downfalls of this film is that it does have some CGI issues in places, as these period films tend to do now seems like that they outsource um, some of the battle scenes, just some of the battle scenes, to people who are working on a PS2 or something for some of their, their rendering work. It just doesn't really look that clean, that nice. Um, but it's got some really darn good action. 
Um, some of the fight scenes I, I really liked, and I think that, um, you know, all of the brothers carry themselves pretty well through the fighting. Even Wu Chun at the end, although he probably doesn't have the best fight scene, um, it's still okay. Um, but overall, I liked it a lot more than I thought it would, and I think I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it again. Um, so at the end of the day, I'd say for me, this is probably, especially if you're somebody who likes period pieces and, and you like um, these kinds of films, this film feels much more like an old-school Shaw Brothers film than anything I've seen in a long time, and I really like that. So for me, if you like that kind of thing, it's definitely a see it. If, if you're not that into like older Shaw Brothers stuff or period pieces, it's a TV it. Um, so Kevin, let's go to you. Okay. Um, if, if you know history um, or if you saw Legendary Amazons, actually, you already know the ending uh, to the film. So there's no, not, not much suspense here, I think, of the story. Um, and, and the scope of the story is so big. I mean, it's a huge family. There's seven sons. Um, there's war and, 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 and all that crap. The scope is so big that actually this version of you is kind of condensed. The film only runs 102 minutes. It's very focused on that story. So even the beginning... It starts out with the event that sets off um, uh, kind of uh, the, 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 the Papa Yang going to war, essentially. Um, so it feels like you're joining in the middle of a story and everything feels condensed. Um, so, and there's no way that all seven brothers would get a fair share of screen time. Um, however, I, I think it was quite good that, that they all got their own moment in the, in the second half of the film. Um, I think... Well, I think some some of them were kind of paired up for their own action scene. But you know, Ekin has his own scene. Um, but I think Vic Chow's uh, arrow battle was actually pretty cool. That was the best part, I think, of the film. Um, otherwise, you know, you know, Roddy Yu is a pretty solid action director, and, and he, he his action direction here is is pretty good. Um, the problem with the use of CGI, like you said, Paul, is that they they really rely on CGI on certain scenes, especially uh, in the first half of the film. Uh, there's one particular sequence that I'm thinking of. It's the one where um, the enemy is throwing a lot of boulders on them, and all those boulders are clearly CGI. Um, and there's a kind of a Thelma and Louise slash 300 moment that was also very CGI'd. And I think that's really the, the, the problem uh, in, in a way that kind of... Um, it kind of wore down or kind of uh, ruined the action for me. Um, otherwise, anything that didn't really have anything to do with special effects, uh, they that weren't relying on special effects, I thought uh, Ronnie Yu did a great job. And and also, that is also a problem with the film in a way that it doesn't really jump out as a great film because it, it the the action excels, but nothing else really does. Nothing else really worked for me dramatically, I think. Uh, like you were saying, I think the villains, the villain was actually quite well-crafted. In a way that it's not, it's not really a, a, a one-dimensional villain, but um, the the film just didn't. It wasn't really engaging me. I think in a mm-hmm. way um, that sort of made it special. Um, so in the end, you know, I I can't. I'm not really that inspired to say too much about it. Other than that, you know, it's somewhere between a, a see it and a TV it for me. In a way that you may want to get a DVD or Blu-ray or if it. If, it's, if it ends up at, at a cinema and you have time, then, then you should go catch it. But it's not a, a film that would tell people to run out and watch immediately. But it's also not a bad film, hmm. so to speak. Um, and, it, and actually, it is a problem in a way that it doesn't really help the genre, in a way that it kind of um, continues the, the, the stale quality of the genre. So, so yeah, um, it's okay, but I can't really recommend it wholeheartedly. Hmm. Ross, what were your thoughts on it? I was fine with it. Uh, I thought it was okay. It's a good audience picture. It's a commercial film. Uh, it doesn't get too pretentious or too uh, overwrought, despite the subject matter, which is surprising. You know yeah. what it's about is like, yeah, I'm sorry, they don't all live, but um, <laughs> but uh, spoiler, whoops. Um, no, but seriously, if, if you know anything about this story, you know they don't all live. They can't. You know the whole premise is based on the prophecy that. You know, that seven leave, but uh, six return, as they say. But um, um, I agree with a lot of the criticisms of it. Not with the costuming part about the villain. I thought the villain was fine, you know. It's not the worst thing that was going on in this film, his costume. (laughs) It's Uh, just, you know, he's got all these kind of gruddy, barbarian-esque 
guys around him, and he's no, like standing out like this shining star who just stepped off but a yeah, stage. He's the leader for a reason. Maybe he has education. I don't know. You know, I don't know the character uh, that well, but you know, maybe he had a real education. You know, maybe you know he he's not out there like you know chewing on bones with his buddies. Otherwise, <laughs> why why is he the leader? <laughs> so you know, whatever. Or maybe he comes from a royal family. You know, and and it, it's that yeah, that wasn't a big deal to me. Um, I think this is like a fairly straightforward film. So as a result, I'm not too harsh on it. Uh, I think it does its job. Uh, it's about a larger story, but it, it, it does condense a lot and not every brother becomes very distinct. Um, but it, it does give each of them a single moment. It's, it's just, it's not a great film, but I think it's an entertaining one. You know, from that same category that you say that like people like Cold War, I don't see why people would dislike this. Mm. <laughs> you know, this, yeah. this is just a, uh, it's it's never going to be a best picture, and uh, well, Kevin is correct. It does not advance the genre, but at the same time, do as does every film need to advance the genre? And it's not an embarrassing film. It's not like you know legendary Amazons, which are so yeah. embarrassing. It's hilarious. Um, no, this is definitely hands above that in terms of um, a, a lot of what's going on. And I think f for me, um, there were two versions playing in Hong Kong. There was a Cantonese version and a, a Mandarin version. Um, and I was originally going to go see the Mandarin version, but I saw the Cantonese version instead because of a, a timing issue but um i was really happy that like adam chang was uh you know did his dubbing and Ikin chang did his dubbing and raymond lamb did his dubbing uh and it all sounded pretty good even though it was was not sync sound it does it's it's it yeah it's you know that's i just don't you know I'm, I'm a little sad that it flopped um but it seems like nowadays in hong kong it, film has to be a cultural phenomenon for to it for it to become a hit <laughs> sad because this film could never be a cultural phenomenon but it it, it is it could be a hit I, I wouldn't think it's shameful to see this film become like a hit i, I think it's solid enough that it, sh it, it should have done okay business you know in hong kong could have been a solid 10 mil 15 mil film you know not it's a not a top even yeah yeah but it's only made half that here and it's done way way too way too little in china too yeah well hopefully it'll it'll make up ground on Home video. Uh, <laughs> the industry is not something you can make up ground on. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, Ross, what, what would be your final final verdict? Uh, would you tell people it's a definite see it or TV it or flee it? Uh, you know, the problem is I, I usually can't give recommendations like that. It all depends on the person. Hmm. Um, all you can really do is tell them what the movie is about and, if they'll, and what it's like, and then they can make that decision. Because, you know, for me, apparently, you know, my God, uh, uh, love in time is a see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sacrilege! No, I'm just kidding. Because that's me. Yeah. Passion Island, that's a see it. Yeah. Well, Passion Island is is a definite see it, and it's a plus if you have passion weed. So. Okay, but see, because that's me. Yeah. I can't do that for other people. I can't recommend based on those values because my values are different. Yeah. Um, like that's I said, true. it's a solid audience picture. Um, it's not a film you're gonna see if if, if like Crouching Tiger to you is the only type of Asian action film you want to watch yeah. or it man is the only Asian action film you want to watch. It's not for you then, you know, you, you just got to know what you're looking for. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's perfectly fine for what it is and what it tries to be. It doesn't try to reach too high, but as a result, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's that, it's that important a film. Um, it just feels okay. And, and something, there's, there's nothing wrong with okay. Um, we all see okay movies sometimes. Yeah. All right, uh, let's jump on and ahead and uh, head over to our next film, which is uh, Conspirators. So, Kevin, you want to give us a rundown of Conspirators? Yeah, well, a Conspirator is the third film in the Detective trilogy, which started with um, the Detective <laughs> and continued Detective Two for some reason. Um, and I'm guessing uh, for overseas sale, they they finally gave it like a non sequel name which is uh, the conspirators but the film uh continues the the story that they shoved into the end of detective 2 uh because detective 2 was actually about aaron Kwok solving a another strange murder and somehow at the end of the film they suddenly remember that hey wait a minute aaron has dead parents and then he has to solve the crime and they added that at the end of the second film so they they kind of shoved it in and there's a continuation of that plot um, the film starts out with uh, Aaron's character, which is a uh, Chen Tan, Chen Tan, uh, which actually sounds like uh, the Chinese word for detective. He's going to Malaysia to continue investigate 
the, the, the death of his parents from 30 years ago. And uh, of course, he runs into a few characters, you know, people that he was told to meet. And they all tell him to go meet other people. And then after that, they, he goes and meets some other people. But in the middle, he, he uh, hires the uh, private detective, local private detective, uh, played by Nick Chen. Uh, he has his own problems. For example, he has twin brother in, in prison. Um, and of course, he's starting to uh, kind of trying to figure out what Aaron is trying to do in terms of in terms in the investigation. And uh, and uh, yeah, in, in some way, it becomes kind of rivalry slash uh, not really a friendship, but um, I guess they're conspirators. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh yes the, the film is all about trying essentially Aaron finding groups of these people who contributes to his parents death and that's uh the plot of the film um the film could have been a great buddy film um I think Aaron and Nick are okay together and it kind of brought, brought back uh the the chemistry that Aaron and Luke Hachi tried to have I guess in the first in the second film but uh couldn't 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 you know bring back from the first film um so it's a fine buddy film buddy uh kind of partner detective film but it's a terrible crime procedural and it is not a good way to end the franchise at all the the case is really lazily written and it's not that compelling even the the outcome really is nothing that surprising you're like why did that take 30 years to to solve um it really feels like an extended third act from the second film um, because Oxide and his writer were really too lazy to make the conspir- to, to make conspirators kind of its own film. It starts in the middle of a story. It starts as Aaron's going to Malaysia, but it feels like, oh, it's, it's like you have to watch the second film uh, right before this to, to continue. In a way, the pacing doesn't even really work at his own film. So Aaron is okay. I mean, he, he, he has a tendency to overact, and he does that again here. You know, his character is, is not that interesting. It was never that interesting to begin with. Um, but there isn't a, a bad moment as bad as the second film where he essentially solves a crime by talking to himself on a park bench. Uh, here, there's nothing uh, that bad, thankfully. Um, but actually, it really is Nick Churn's film. Um, I, I really rather watch a whole movie on Nick Churn's character rather than Aaron's character. Um, I think he, he gave a good dose of humor. I think his character was actually interesting, um, at least interesting to watch. Um, and he has a more interesting storyline, and uh, I think uh, an extra trilogy with, with him will be will be great. Um, and like I said, the, the the mystery really sucks and really generally uninvolving. So you, you wish that these character, uh, at least the Lichtenstein character, be transplanted into a different story, much better one. Uh, Aaron gets to travel around Asia like a low rent James Bond. Uh, he goes to Malaysia and then back to Thailand, and then for some reason it goes to Guangzhou. I'm guessing to fulfill co-production status. Or something. Uh, he go, he takes a little side trip to Guangzhou, um, but it could have been like I don't know, another town in Malaysia, or like he could have gone to like Singapore or something. But it really makes no sense. Uh, there's no real point in him going to Guangzhou. Um, so so the whole traveling back and forth thing makes even less sense. And you and you actually keep wondering how the hell can can Aaron afford this? He hasn't taken like a real case since what the first film. <laughs> so so you wonder how how does he you know how does any of this make sense? Um, uh, Oxide does try to end the film on kind of an emotional note, an artsy note, where you know when uh, Aaron sits around and finally contemplates what's happened and has this little quiet moment. Um, but it it really doesn't tie into the first film at all. Um, it really doesn't have any like the second film. It doesn't have any of the charm. Doesn't have any of the frills. Uh, it doesn't have any of the atmosphere. Uh, and you wonder why they even try to bother making, you know, trying to tie in, in the first place. Um, but the Aaron, t- the Aaron and Nick Chen team, I think, is good for at least one one viewing. I guess if you like two actors and or you've seen the franchise and really want to see how it ends. And honestly, I don't know anyone who thinks that way. Uh, who thought the end of well, end of uh, Detective Two, you know, really set up for a sequel? And I'm really wondering how it ends. I have heard no one say this. So, uh, so you know, I don't think there'll be many people out there who think this way. But otherwise, you know, if you like, I say, if you like the leads or if you like the Pang Brothers, uh, this is a better film than Detective Two, although not by a huge margin. So, uh, yeah, and if we're gonna go but give by rating, I would say like VCD it, and not even a TV. I think just VCD it. Hmm. That's money. Keep that genre alive, <laughs> <Yeah>. Paul. <laughs> 
Yeah, what a hot mess this film is. Um, it's basically, go here, go here, now go back here, now go back here, and now you got to go here. And as you go, you will happenstancely stumble across all the clues that you need to find. Um, it's really, for me as a series, completely moved away from the tone of the first film, which seemed to have this supernatural air to it, which is a shame. I like the Pang Brothers mostly when they're kind of touching on aspects of the supernatural. Um, even a oh, film like that, The Child's I, Eye, which, you know, is arguably terrible, at least was fun in parts because they're playing with these ideas of, of the strange and the supernatural and the unknown, and, and I kind of like that. So for What this, is the problem when they're playing the co-production game? Once they, once they had to play the co-production game, yeah, they, 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 they lost they've all They've got to get away from that. And yes. I understand that, but it's a shame that because I really liked what they did in sort of the first film, they kind of moved away from that in the second film, and now they've completely moved away from that. Um, there's, a, there's a huge hole in this movie that the mystery is all based around old media, you know, um, and, and I won't spoil it, but, you know, there's basically an old, uh, there's an old film and there's an old cassette tape that, you know, basically serve as the, as the, uh, you know, plot devices. And it just, you know, it, it, the whole mystery, like Kevin said, doesn't make sense at the end of the, of the day that this is a mystery, that this is, you know, that this information is what it is and it's supposed to be valid and everything. It's, it's just kind of a stretch. Um, now that being said, I do agree. Nick Chung saves this, saves this film. And, uh, I want a couple things. First, I want, uh, a spinoff of the, both the Chung brothers. In some ways it's, it's a little bit derivative of, um, their earlier film, um, Leave, Leave Me, Me Alone, Alone, which was, uh, from 2004, which featured, um, Eakin playing twins, uh, twin brothers. And, and so there, there's a, there's a little bit of a, of a, connection or or, or or tonal feel from that and i think that to, you know the the relationship between the twin brothers here not a major part of what's going on but um it's still it's interesting and the fact that you have one of these brothers who's a detective in malaysia um and he's also a little bit of a of a wing chun master um it, it, it's kind of quirky and it's kind of unique and 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 uh, you know again i think nick kind of saves the film for me and I, with that, I want the other thing I want to come out of this film is I want a new awards category, since we're talking about film awards, called the Nick Chung Award. And it's basically <laughs> anytime you have a supporting actor come in and totally save a role, save a film with the role. So, you know, it's like Nick Chung would get it for Nightfall. He gets it for this film, too. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it, it's nice to see some of the old actors like Chen Quan Tai and others uh, make some appearances and uh, have some screen time here. Siu Fei is here, um, and he's actually okay. You know, he's I not an old actor coming back, though. But... What's that? There's no nostalgia in Siu Fei. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> but 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 <laughs> that being said, awesome. he's okay for what he's doing here. You know, he's not doing his normal. Yeah, doing nothing. You know, he's kind... perfectly okay when he's doing nothing. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's fine. But uh, there is a twist, and that's kind of thrown in, and it's not a bad one. Um, it 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 kind of works okay. Um, although the film just kind of, the way it kind of wraps up, the way it kind of ends, it just feels like it's going on for a while for no, for no real apparent reason. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's kind of a downer, um, in terms of, of the way that the direction that, that the series went and the way they ended it. But if anything comes of it, maybe they'll decide to do a spinoff with the Nick Chung characters. Uh, I think that would be interesting. Uh, Ross thoughts. The problem is if they made a spin-off of the Nick Chung characters, you know, it'd still be directed by the Pang brothers, and there's your problem. <laughs> uh, the Pangs are into twins, obviously, because they're twins. You know, that's their thing. But, you know, it's just it's kind of a symptom of their movies that they, they, they put twins into a couple of their films because, you know, they're twin brothers. So there's this little dynamic going on. But, you know, what does it really do for the film? Like, not much. It's just, like, there. It's like a fun little thing they add in, but... It, you don't really get any idea the film is really about their own relationships or, or anything really that special. Um, and, you know, you could say that about all their films nowadays. And, and, you know, there's just no real urgency in any of them anymore. I don't know why. I don't feel it from a single film they've made since, uh, ironically, probably the last detective film. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, this series died with the second one. So, and, and you know, Kevin is correct. Have you met anyone who's like, wow, I'm really looking for the third detective film. It's like, 
what? <laughs> he was looking for another detective film. No offense. His detective one is a is a fun movie, but it's good as a one off and didn't need a sequel. Yeah. You know, and if they it had to do a sequel, trying to trying to create this, this overarching mythology to it just doesn't work. Uh, especially since Aaron Kwok actually kind of solves his parents' murder in a way in the first film. At least he kind of finds something about them in the first film. He doesn't solve the murder, I think. I mean, God knows what he was doing. I mean, that's, a, that's another problem. Who really remembers what happens in these detective movies? We all forget. There's a reason for that. You know? it, it, because these films are very unmemorable. But, you know, overall, I, I'll agree with you guys that Nick Chung saves the film. Um, he's really the only fun thing in this film. Uh, he, he really, he, he really, you know, brings a charisma and, uh, and he, he gives the, the film the Han Solo quality that you need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's that guy that you connect to cause he's, he's a little irreverent, you know, but you know, he's got character and he, he's not like Aaron. Aaron's too uptight and, and not that fun anymore. Cause the, one of the good things about the first detective is he was kind of so inept. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was he was always freaking out, and it's like, what kind of detective are you? <laughs> That's why he was a B plus detective, C plus detective yeah. in that film, and he became the B plus in the second one. I mean, that thread of the character is completely gone, so you don't have that entertaining portion about how he was kind of like kind of dorky. You know, you know, he had his problem with his glasses, and he couldn't really see anything, and yeah, he was just like running around and always getting into trouble, and you know, no one really respected him. That was kind of a fun thing about the character. All that stuff is missing. Mm. So it's like it's like they kind of assume by now we only care because it's Aaron Clock. But honestly, that's not true. Because if that were true, we would all love like uh, Para Para Sakura, I and mean, you know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like not like Aaron is like a Tony Lung Chuai who like you know just by the strength of his his demeanor or his personality or China Fat especially that's the best example. Strength of his demeanor, his his screen charisma can really hold the screen. Aaron doesn't do that. So. And that's one of the big problems with this film. Um, and yes, the, the, the storyline is boring as all crap. My God. It's like, hey, uh, talk to me. Uh, 20 minutes later, he told me to visit someone else. I visit that person. 20 minutes later, I had to go back to the first person. Can't find him. But luckily, someone else tells me to visit someone else. There's all this name dropping in this movie. It's yeah. like you're always hearing about new characters in dialogue. And then Aaron has to go find that character. Eventually, you know, it's like, good thing I'm taking notes. <laughs> because how else do I know who Aaron is seeing and what that person means? It's it's like really hard to discern what's really happening as a result. It's but yeah, in the it, end, it kind of a spoiler. In the end, they all actually serve the same purpose. Is as in he goes to the next person, but it all leads to just one thing. All these people, but he keeps telling them to go to the second person, next person, next person. They all just serve one thing. But that's one of the dumbest things in the film, though. Everyone he met was like, "Well, I'll tell you, like." 30% of what I know, but I know it's 70% I'm not telling you. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, everybody everybody knew what happened. And yes. why was what happened such a big secret? Because it <laughs> wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> you know, it's well, like... Here's the other thing, you know, and, and I'm going to spoil a little bit. No, but actually, it's not really a spoiler, okay? Because, yeah, you know, the, the identity of the murderer is not a big deal. Cause it's not like someone you saw in the first film, okay? And Yeah, it's not, it's not saying for you on anything, yeah. Yeah, well, well, he dies. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's the first film, but um, but yeah, it, 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 it's not. A, it's like you don't care who the murderer really is, and then it comes back to like evidence and things like this. But it's like it's like who solves a thirty-year-old murder with evidence lying around that long? <laughs> and, and don't you think the best way to get for, away from a crime where someone has evidence on you is to go somewhere else and do the same thing elsewhere? <laughs> You know why stick around in the exact same place? Or I don't think it was exact same place, was it? No, it was the exact. It was the exact same place with the exact same methodology. No, it was in Thailand, and then they moved <laughs> yes. to Malaysia. But for some reason, everyone who was involved with the original crime moved to Malaysia too. Or I don't even know what the hell was going on. Or maybe they were all in Malaysia and they moved back to Thailand. No, they were all in the same place because except for Guangzhou, because for no reason. because that's you know that's why the 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 media was so so important, right? Because it was the media was in Thailand. No, they had a meet. They had this. One of them had no, a holiday the, the, house in the, Guangzhou. Oh, actually, they were in Thailand first. That's what yes. it was. They were all in Thailand, and then the people who committed the crime, all the and the people who were involved, all moved to Malaysia together. And it's not like, <laughs> no, you know what? This crime could have been unsolvable if someone had just moved to Canada. But <laughs> they wouldn't have had enough money to go to Canada and to go back to to, to Malaysia. 
and then to go to Thailand. It's like they all stayed in the same area. But that completely invalidates the evidence then. Because the evidence would have been evidence from Thailand, which is no longer there because they're in Malaysia, right? Yeah, I guess then the Oxide brothers or the, the Oxide is right or whatever, do something, you know, called thinking. So <laughs> well, you that know, wouldn't the other thing. But here's the other thing, you know, when when you finally lead everyone to the bad guys, good thing they're still criminals and are doing criminal activity right in front of you. So, you know, or, or, or you know, someone actually like, you know, gets angry and kills them or something, in which case, you know, double loss. You know, the dead end. You know, the, yeah, the movie's a mess. So, anyway, watch it for Nick Chung, if nothing else, and you've got nothing better to do. All right, let us move on to talk about our West Screen film before we wrap things up. East Green, West Green. All right, so we have one West Screen film. Uh, it's our first West Screen film in a long time, and that is the latest uh, feature from Tom Cruise called Oblivion. So Oblivion is this uh, sci-fi uh, epic film that was written, um, co-written, produced, and directed by uh, Joseph uh, Kozinski, who did the Tron Legacy film, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and it's based on what uh, was apparently an unpublished graphic novel of the same name that I guess is forthcoming, uh, according to the Wikipedia entry that it has been edited by Radical Comics. But uh, I did some searching for it on like Amazon, and they don't have any kind of release date or anything uh, about this graphic novel, because after I saw the film, I was kind of interested to track it down and read it but apparently it does not exist in any commercial form as of yet um but basically um the plot is in the future the year 2073 there has been an invasion by uh these alien scavengers which are called scavs and there was a war which resulted in the destruction of the moon and nearly destroyed the earth um but humanity ultimately won by using nuclear weapons and now the earth is pretty much devastated Humanity is all up on this device called the, the Tet, and they are planning to relocate to um, Titan. And uh, in order to do so, they are gathering the necessary energy from the, uh, remain, the remaining water in the oceans. And so they have these sort of huge reactors that are sucking up water and turning them into, uh, I think it's fusion energy of some sort, um, to help make this trip. And supervising these reactors... Um, are uh, the technician, uh, Jack Harper, played by Tom Cruise, and his communications officer, Victoria, who's played by Andrea Riceboro. And uh, she is also kind of his lover. They kind of live together in this operations tower. Every day he goes out on missions. He's primarily a technician in charge of repairing these uh, combat drones, which are used to protect the towers from uh, the a remaining alien scavengers, um, and so he goes out on these missions to repair the drones. Um, and this is near the end of their mission. They've got about two weeks to go before they're supposed to be heading off uh, to the relocation site. And uh, it's during this period uh, that a, a ship from outer space crashes and Jack ends up rescuing one of the survivors, the astronauts of the ship. And from there, he starts to uncover things um, about uh, the, the Earth as it is and, uh, and starts asking questions about what really is going on, what's really happening. Uh, and so uh, it becomes a little bit of a mystery that needs to be solved. And, of course, he's also having these dreams, these visions of people um, from old Earth that he seemingly shouldn't know but somehow does, and he has these flashbacks. And so that kind of sets up the basis for the story of Oblivion. Uh, it is a pretty sweeping science fiction film, lots of special effects, lots of pretty nice visuals. And I can say that while I'm not a fan of Mr. Cruz, I am a huge fan of science fiction, and this kind of sci-fi um, is really up my alley. It, it builds the world nicely, uh, the, the, the state of sort of the 2073 um, period that, that we are now in. Um, the visuals, the special effects, everything works really well. Um, I think Tom Cruise's character, even though the name's kind of, you know, comic bookish, um, you know, Jack Harper, I was thinking of Roy Harper, who is, uh, isn't he, uh, Speedy or Red Arrow or something from DC I was thinking of Comics. Jack Reacher. Yeah. 
uh, Jack Reacher, you know, it, it's that kind of, you know, action hero-esque kind of a name. Um, but even though, you know, he's a technician, he does get some action moments. Um, but I think his character does okay here and is fairly compelling in the story as it gets going. Um, you know, his relationship with, um, with his companion and their relationship to, you know, the people who are overseeing the mission and then other characters as they come along. Um, it, it builds it in a nice uh, sort of even pace, and I, and I really enjoyed it. This film borrows a lot from old sci-fi, and some of the reviews that I've read out there have said that this film is kind of trying to go back to, you know, older types of science fiction storytelling, and I can kind of see that, but I also see a lot of relation to um, newer forms of storytelling, especially in video games. So um, for people who've played Mass Effect... I think there's a very strong Mass Effect influence here, especially with some of the visuals, some of the costuming, some of the um, art design uh, has, a, has a strong Mass Effect feel. Um, the soundtrack, even though it's not, uh, I don't think it's the same people, um, also kind of had a strong Mass Effect vibe going on. Um, there is a twist that comes in, and, and I won't say what that is, but um, I think science fiction fans, people who are familiar with science fiction type stories, will see that twist coming uh, early on, I kind of expected it, and and it did sort of uh, come true what, what what I was expecting to happen. Um, although they kind of take it in some interesting directions, and I think it's still a pretty clever angle. But there are quite a few potholes and, and questions, and I don't think we'll have time to go into spoilers today. But if you're you know interested in in some of that, you know, drop me an email, and I we can have a discussion on email or on Google Plus or something. Um, yeah, so, so you know, as with science fiction, these kinds of things are bound to pop up. But uh, overall, I think it's a pretty solid story and very entertaining. Uh, you get Morgan Freeman being awesome. Um, also, the guy, the actor uh, plays Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones comes in and, you know, always pays his debts. And uh, <laughs> I have some problem with the ending. Uh, again, I won't spoil that here, but uh, if you're interested in my thoughts on the ending and you've seen the film, you know, again, drop me an email and I can uh, share those with you. But for me, this was a definite see it. It's a film that I think visually looks pretty stunning in some places artistically. Um, you know, I like a lot of the visuals and the story that goes along with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing this film again, um, you know, to get the non-geek perspective. My wife really liked it too. And I would say that uh, this is probably, uh, you know, a day one Blu-ray pick for me. Uh, if and when it comes out. So, yeah, definitely a see it in my camp. Kevin? Uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it, actually. But it actually is a very, very difficult film to sell. It hasn't opened in America yet, so um, we can't really give out spoilers. Um, but the film is very hard to sell because you have about 35 minutes of, of plot that you can tell. Not really plot, but you have 35 minutes of setup. And then there are two major twists that you can't reveal. Yeah, But it's those it's those twists that make the story special. So it's very, very difficult to sell the film. And the thing is, Tom Cruise really isn't the, the thing here. You're like, okay, like Mission Impossible, you have Tom Cruise, the action hero. So that's easy to sell. Um, you don't have to sell the story. You just sell Tom Cruise, spy. Here, it, because the twists are so important, you're not, you can't really sell Tom Cruise. He's, he's, kind, of a waste, he's kind of wasted here, I think. Um, so, so yeah, I, I can see it as a very difficult film uh, to sell commercially, especially for those that opening week. Um, but the visuals are great, like you said. Uh, it's hard to tell when the real world ends and the CGI kicked in. So I think that's that's uh, that's pretty pre pretty good already. Um, and and uh, and I thought here's the thing that I, I'm not sure anyone else had brought this up, but I thought the first ninety minutes or first two acts would make a great first two two free episodes of a of a really good sci-fi series yeah uh, i think it, you could have something on your hands in this world especially with those twists um one twist could you know and you could reveal those along uh, you know along the season and um i felt they kind of wasted it here by making one individual film out of it. because here when the film ends the story kind of ends um so so um you can't really bring that back but yeah. i think i thought it would have made it really good sci-fi series yeah um and not a film so still it's not really bad for what it is i think it's quite engaging um the, sto the storytelling is a little kind of stilted at points um especially the first half when you're kind of waiting for something to happen um 
again, not only did, did it waste Tom Cruise, I thought when Morgan Freeman showed up, it was like, well, he's got to be something important or, you know, he can't just be in that one scene. Um, and it, it feels kind of wasted here. I don't think it really needs to be Morgan Freeman or really needs to be Tom Cruise. Um, and they kind of spent too much money on getting those stars, I thought. Um, and it's really not, as an action film, it's not really that engaging. I know it's a sci-fi drama, um, so that's fine. That's what it is. But I think people who are kind of looking for, who think special effects equal action, they'll come out this point. I've already heard some Hong Kong people thinking that, not expecting it to be a drama, and they thought it would be an action film. And it came out kind of disappointing. But for me, it was more satisfying than I had expected. And, and I was really pleasantly surprised to find out that there's no 3D version. Yay. Thank God. Yay. <laughs> um, so actually for me, yeah, I, I agree. Paul. I, I, it's not a first day Blu-ray purchase for me, but I, I, I think it's definitely a see it. All right. And Ross, you haven't seen it, but you should get out and see it. Yeah, but you guys just spoiled the film for me, so what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that in your post apocalyptic world and smoke it i don't know what that means all right uh we've rambled on enough about films so it's time to play this you're listening to the east screen west screen podcast visit kongcast.com for more All right, folks, I think that's going to do it. Uh, we've been rambling on for about two hours now. I may have to break this into a two-parter because uh, it's gone so long. I think next time when we talk about, well, we might have to do a special Hong Kong Film Awards only episode uh, to, to, you know, present uh, the kind of coverage that we gave today. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That'll be for next year. Uh, if you would like to be part of the show, though, you can always get in touch with us over at the website. That is Comcast.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you on iTunes. Um, you know, drop us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. What you'd like to see done differently. And we'd love to hear some feedback from you there. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, the show, uh, the site for Twitter, uh, the Twitter uh, address for our site, our show is twitter.com/concast. You can follow me at twitter.com slash foxlore, although I don't tweet that much these days. But I do urge you to follow Kevin over at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock because he's always tweeting about films and film-related material, especially for Chinese and Hong Kong cinema. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, do follow him. Uh, you can also follow Ross over at uh, lovehkfilm, uh, twitter.com slash lovehkfilm. And Gmail, if you'd like to get us in touch with us on email, is eastscreen at gmail.com. And we are over on Facebook, is facebook.com slash eastswests. And if you're on Google Plus and you're going to be in Hong Kong and you'd like to come out to one of our movie nights, of course, uh, drop me a line over there and let me know when you're going to be in Hong Kong and I can get you um, in, in, into that uh, private grouping. Um, if you are listening to us on, on other means, uh, other, other than iTunes, you can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone via the Stitcher app. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks go out to Rob Gobbers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme of course, Ross Chen, known as Kozo of LoveHKFilm.com for helping us to organize movie nights here in Hong Kong. And, of course, Kevin, the K-Man, for being with us for 144, soon to be 145 episodes. And all of you, the listeners, for being out there with us each and every week, whether you're uh, in the live chat and listening to us live or you listen to us in podcast form. Uh, we appreciate you being out there. And drop us a line. Give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you. Yeah? Sorry, Paul, I do want to bring up a, kind of a last side news item before sure. we go this week. Um, yeah, uh, a, per, a, a fortunate news, sadly. Uh, a young singer, uh, uh, Sita Chan, who has uh, actually been in two films. Uh, she was in Lang Kui Fong 2, and she also played a, a supporting role in uh, Fire, Lee Fire's Love in Time. She was the um, exchange shop girl, I think. Uh, in the film, she, if you remember, she had the braces on. Yeah, she was yeah. the girl at the, the money changer, right? Yes, uh, unfortunately, she passed away from a from a car accident last yeah, night. She was yeah, yeah, she was only twenty six years old. So, just kind of want to throw in a little, uh, yeah, little fellow alumni out. of City U too. They had a memorial over at the City University page. 
Ah, for her. Um, yeah, some sad news. Yeah, she will be missed. Um, so yeah, uh, next show, episode 145, um, we are going to be talking about drug war, I guess. Um, and I'm not sure what else is out there on the horizon. Maybe we could finally get, maybe I'll finally get out and see, uh, the G.I. Joe thing. <laughs> we also talk about, uh, the, the Taiwan films that, that came out here in Hong Kong. Um, oh, what, what else do we have? Uh, let me check. The ho- are you going to watch the Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer movie? Uh, the the host. The host. I, I might get out and see that. You know, it is kind of science fictiony. I would um, I would try and watch a Tokyo Family, the uh, Yoji Yamada sort of pseudo remake of Tokyo Story. Yeah. So we've got a couple things out there to uh, watch for. What was that? Huh? Iron Man. Iron Man's that's two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, that's two weeks. That'll be. If I have a show next week, sure, I'll believe it when I see it. What's that? <laughs> you actually think you have a show next week? I'll believe it when I see it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll ring you up live, and you'll be in Udine, right? Yes, I will, actually. Yeah. You're, you're correct. I'll be in yeah. Italy. Um, so, yeah, why don't you... You've got Udine going on, and then uh, you've got some stuff going on um, with the with your website, Love HK Film. Anything t- for the viewers out there to pay attention to in the weeks to come? No. No? <laughs> Sorry. Not, no. Not, not even the film awards? Uh, you know, I have to actually like get back into working on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah actually uh, there was a real real a long break because i didn't get all the votes uh all the nominations in and now that i finally have them all i can get back to it but you know it's it's you know life life has a way of getting in the way yeah and and so, that that nomination issue was mostly my fault because i was very late this year i do apologize as a result i completely forgot i was doing it but hey with that <laughs> uh, i'll get back on track and, and we'll, we'll have it done before the end of the year excellent just in time <laughs> for the 33rd annual Hong Kong Film Awards. Maybe by then, I want to change all my most to Cold War. Sorry. <laughs> Cold War again. Cold War 2. Alright. Um, so yeah, we'll look at Drug War and whatever else is out that we can get to between now and then. All of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing and we'll see you next week. See you all next week, everybody! Bye-bye.